here we are. We have episode one, and we're here. We're not even really sure what the podcast is going to be called just yet. We're still fighting about that. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Brian Carpenter, and with me we have... Brent Piotti. And Brent, uh, you know, tell me again, why do I know you? <laughs> well, we work together um, at EMC, and we're both systems engineers and basically awesome people. Yeah, I agree with the awesome people. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and put myself in a category of systems engineer with you because I just show up every day with a Sharpie and hope that people believe what I'm drawing. Um, (laughs) As long as you're not using that Sharpie on a whiteboard, I think we'll be okay. Okay. So we're going to get to know each other this time, and we may talk a little bit technical here and there, but really what we're going to do is kind of get to know each other, get to know know, our journey to EMC, as it were, and uh, kind of talk about how we got here. And, you know, what drives us to be, uh, you know, employed in the pre-sales organization at EMC. But frankly, you know, we're here for something besides pre-selling things, right? That's, it's a, it's a title rather than, than our position. So, uh, I'd like to go first by getting to know you, uh, Mr. Piotti. Um, I would like to know about you specifically, would you rather fight one horse sized duck or a thousand duck sized horses? (laughs) <laughs> and I want you to think deeply about this. Okay. I will ponder it as many before me probably never have. Um, boy. So with that one, I would have to say a thousand duck-sized horses. Now, why are, you, why are you going there? I mean, I know what I would do, and I'm, I'm, I'm on your side here, but I need to understand the rationale here. I need you to architect for me this battle that you're going to have. So having been around ducks just in past, you know, going to parks, ducks can be pretty vicious. Um, I've seen them attack more people than I have horses. Um, that said, I think that, you know, these, these duck-sized horses would be much easier to fend off than a very, very angry uh, horse-sized duck. And just the, the wingspan on that thing gets a lot wider than you know, the, the horse ever could even at full size. So that's much more ominous in my opinion. Yeah. And and I'm with you for the most part. I do have one concern against my own theory, which is also the horse sized duck. Um, I, the the fact that I would, that I'm much more scared of the horse sized duck, uh, than I am the hundred duck sized horses. But, um, I mean, we've all seen Jurassic park, right? And so let's talk about these little tiny, tiny, tiny little lizards that they have these, I don't know. I don't even, I frankly should know what it is, but I'm just going to call it a little miniature velociraptor. Yeah. And, I'll and, say the same thing. and they start to, they start to pick at you with those tiny little teeth. And then they, they, one of them gets your attention and you stop moving. And then the, the other ones just simply overwhelm you. And so there is something to be said about being overwhelmed by a thousand horses with those crazy teeth, those Mr. Ed teeth. And, uh, the, you know, the ability to just outright, mangle you by their numbers so sure but you know at let's just say below knee height i think the rest of your body for the most part is is safe a horse-sized duck however definitely has the upper hand okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let you hang with that one so um you know now the world knows that you're afraid of ducks and uh, (laughs) that's pretty much all we really need to know about you right yeah, indeed. Indeed. Nothing else is uh, is relevant in this conversation anymore. So 
you know, do you have a question for me by chance? You know, we, we were supposed to prepare for this, so I'm expecting that you were prepared. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I stole my question for you off of Reddit, which is uh, how I get most of my answers. So I hope the customers never show up there. But uh, um, I just read M. Calger's responses on, on Reddit and just, you know, regurgitate them. So what do you, what do you got for me? So, yeah, I, I, w- I would say this question is equally um, ridiculous and, and off topic, but uh, to the nerds out there and to the nerds in us, I want to know, are you a Star Wars guy or a Star Trek guy? This is difficult. Uh, and this is difficult mainly because no matter what I say, uh, at the end of the day, I'm simply a filthy casual and I'm not enough of a fan of either of them. Uh, to stand up to anybody who's a true fan. Um, with with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and say Star Wars. Um, okay. Having grown up, uh, you know, I kind of, eh, I was barely old enough to, you know, where the original Star Wars uh, was relevant, you know, four, five, and six being the original Star Wars. And um, I watched them all. But I, I actually watched a lot more Star Trek because that's what my dad was into. And specifically, you know, Star Trek, I think it was number four that had the, the, the whales in it, if I remember correctly, uh, made me want to be like a marine biologist until the world shattered my dreams when I watched too much Discover and found out that uh, by the time I was old enough to be a marine biologist, we would have ruined the oceans, which is the same story that they've been telling for 20 years now. Um, but when I, wanted, when I was a kid, you know, those whales were super cool and I wanted to go be a whale person. Uh, instead, I've just eaten myself into being a whale, and uh, I tend to do technology instead. Uh, okay. So, but if I, you know, day in and out, um, if I were to align with one of those, I think I'm going to align with Star Wars, uh, simply because it's had a bit more lasting power to me. Uh, I mean, it's a really hard thing to say, and I'm just, I'm, I've lost half of our audience, if not 100%, by saying that I'm a filthy casual. Uh, yeah. But that's that's kind of it's kind of where I stand. I'm going I'm going Star Wars. If it if sure. I, if I have to get inked with one or the other, we're getting inked with Star Wars. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. And definitely, um, we, we have alienated at uh, some of our audience. Uh, that said, I would certainly agree with you. Um, we're two for two at this point. But, uh, yeah, I'm a Star Wars guy. You know, I grew up in the same household. My father was a Star Trek guy. He's a he's a mechanical engineer and, and loved that kind of stuff. Um, so I grew up, you know, Deep Space Nine and Next Generation. I'd say Next Generation was probably my favorite, you know, series. Um, but that said, the movies, just uh, the Star Wars movies, are crazy impactful, um, awesome storyline. And then we got to watch them kind of in reverse, and here we are today with uh, roll right around the corner a new Star Wars release. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think. And I'm going to get to watch that with my, my kids, just like my parents got to watch kind of the quote unquote first release with me. Uh, you know, I'll get to watch the first releases with my kids. They've all seen the other ones. Um, so, you know, they're kind of sort of caught up. Uh, I made them binge watch it one weekend as well as my wife who had no idea. So she's completely binge caught up on that. Um, but, you know, one of the, one of the things that's really relevant about Star, Star Trek is the fact that we had a, a series. Uh, when you get the next generation and all the things you mentioned there, you know, we got the kind of, I don't know, the threes company version of Star Trek, as it were, and I'm not insulting it. Um, you know, we got a, we got a storyline that, that would happen once a week or, you know, once a, whatever it was, and it would kind of have a, a beginning, a middle and end and a good little story and you could keep hooked on it. 
Whereas, you know, for Star Wars, you know, sometimes we're going, what is it, like, you know, 15, 20 years between iterations, as it were. And sure, there's really bad, you know, cartoons versions of it. So I think Star Trek's done a much better job of keeping with the family and keeping with their with their fans. But I'm still going with Star Wars. You can't talk me out of it. Yep, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement. So you kind of brought up an interesting point earlier about whales, in particular how you've eaten yourself into a whale. I want to figure out how you've attributed that. Are you are you from Texas originally? Yeah, so I was I was born and raised here. Um, some some Northerners got together, some Yankees got together, and came down to Texas and uh, you know popped out a little Texan, and so I'm from here. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I don't know where you're trying to go with this. But, <laughs> well, uh, you gotta you gotta I'm, let me finish my train here. Well, go ahead. <laughs> so last time I was in Texas, I was encouraged to get some of that good old fashioned Texas barbecue, and uh, you recommended a really good place that we did not get to go to uh, because you did not do your research and uh, the place is closed. That said, I'm a barbecue guy. Um, I don't know what I prefer, if it's Texas, if it's Kansas City, if it's North Carolina, but I know I just, I like meat. I like, you know, roasted flesh, right? So has that in any way attributed to, you know, I wouldn't call you a whale by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, to your, you know, voluptuous self. Yeah, so I am curvy, uh, but it is not because of uh, specifically barbecue. It's kind of a, a love for food in general, but back to your, your barbecue thing here. If you if you like pure if you as you said you you like you know uh, you said you liked cooked, roasted flesh roasted yeah. flesh um, which is better than saying you like meat uh, if you like roasted flesh you you have to like Texas barbecue because we're here for the purity of the roasted flesh okay. uh, we don't have to throw vinegar on it we don't have to slather it with sauce although we do uh, I mean if you're the kind of person who decides to stop in the airport and eat some Dickies. You know, whatever pain comes your way, <laughs> you deserve all of it. And then, you know, probably with multiple follow-ons, like, you know, like aftershocks, as it were. Uh, but if you come here and enjoy the proper stuff, you know, the pecan lodges, which is where we were supposed to go, and I didn't research and you didn't get to eat it, but luckily there's a next time. Uh, or the Franklin's Barbecue, which I was literally just watching a movie this weekend called Chef, which is like a road trip oh, great of food movie. trucks. Great movie. Where do they stop in the middle in Texas? They stop at Franklin's. Why? Because Kidding. they had to go to Mecca. And Mecca for, for barbecue is Texas. And specifically, Aaron Franklin owns the space. So you could be Aaron Franklin. And then after Aaron, you know, there's Pecan Lodge. Um, there's Lockhart up here. And there's a couple other ones. You can go all day long in Texas and find fantastic barbecue. And then you could go in other places like Oklahoma and, and Arkansas and Kansas City and get some mediocre barbecue. Um, but at the end of the day, we invented it. We've got our name on it. And we'd be willing to have the National Guard watch it, as it were. Uh, you know, we, we, will, we will absolutely send out our Texas military to, to watch you if you think you're going to send your, your national military in to come steal our barbecue. So is- I think officially we have, we have whittled down our uh, potential fan base even further Right, so we are we're we're definitely people that people that would prefer uh, a thousand duck-sized horses that uh, like Star Wars and only like Texas barbecue. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've we definitely you know we're casting a very wide net. 
but uh, I see that we're probably going to catch very little uh, if we continue on like this. We'll yeah. have to figure out a way to uh, dig ourselves out of this, this hole. We're here to tell the truth, not to uh, make friends by playing the middle line. So, you know, if you don't like it, you can go listen to somebody else's podcast, but, or you can stay. You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's just stay. It's going to be fun anyway. So yeah. it, it's going to be good. Uh, we're not always going to talk about ourselves, but, you know, you need to know who we are and you need to know what makes us tick. Uh, for me specifically, you know, I actually don't really all barbecue it all the time. Um, I don't even order meat most of the time when I'm out, uh, but I do love food. And so I would, you know, I'd call myself a foodie. And uh, that uh, to me, I made a joke in New Hires um, that I thought I kind of invented, so I'm going to go with it. And, you know, a foodie is like the new term for poor, Im- Im- poor impulse control, right? I literally just can't stop myself. So I'm just going to name it something and make myself something fantastic rather than just being a guy who can't tell himself no to that next amazing taco from a, you know, from a truck down the street. Uh, I live in new construction right now and I literally ran out of my house one day when I saw the, saw the food truck for the, for the laborers, you know, down the street building another house. And it's I, a disease, Brian. It's a yeah. disease. You but have I don't, to want, understand I don't that. want help. Uh, you know, the only kind of support group I want is my friends to show up and eat with me. Um, yeah. So, you know, I stopped that thing down, had myself some menudo and, uh, you know, had a good cry over it and went back to work. So, um, that's the spirit. Speaking of work, you know, I, I'd like to know your, you know, I'd like to know a little bit about your, your journey to this place that we call EMC, our home as it were. Um, you know, so, you know, tell me, you know, tell me how you got here. Um, you know, tell me. Uh, I guess first, I'd like to understand your foray into technology, as it were. How did you get into technology? Yeah, so again, you know, my growing up in in the household of a mechanical engineer, um, I definitely had a surrounding of computers, and you know, the 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 beginnings of the computer age, right? So my father and I played land games together we ran you know cat 5 cable in the basement from different rooms so that we could play you know duke nukem and doom um and so that kind of moved me into building computers um just enjoying technology in general from that point um i went you know i was in in uh, high school and i graduated and it was time to uh figure out what i want to do with my life um that's tough, right? That's tough when you're a 17 and a half year old kid. I graduated early. Um, I wouldn't consider myself the smart kid, but uh, I put in extra effort, got good grades, did some extra courses, and got to get out of school early. I think for me at that time, it wasn't uh, anything with the accolades. It was just getting done with high school. That said, um, started considering the military. So I looked at all the branches, uh, started looking at college. I was looking at Iowa State University. I grew up uh, partially in Minnesota and Iowa, but I graduated uh, high school when I was in Iowa. And then um, I decided to, to go to the Army. So I went to uh, Airborne School at Fort Bragg and got stationed at uh, – I'm sorry, I went to Airborne School at Fort Benning and then went and stationed active duty – at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And my job there was to work on missile guidance systems. So if there are any uh, uh, military aficionados out there, I worked on specifically the tow missile guidance system, the Avenger, uh, which is a surface-to-air missile, the MLRS, which is the uh, basically the, the launch pods with multiple missiles that shoot from ground to ground, 
Um, and then the Kiowa helicopter and, I don't know, basically optics, computers, uh, Linux, Unix, just you name it. But, you know, working on electronics down to component level. Uh, so that was my part-time job when I wasn't out in the field learning how to be a, you know, an infantryman. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, from that point, I went to college, graduated from NC State University, Wolfpack. Anyone out there going to listen? And then uh, started working for a software company called Progress Software, and their um, it was basically their one of their their divisions called Data Direct, and they connected applications to databases, and it was really cool, right? So that's uh, kind of the technology background. From there, um, you know, I had by this time I had been in the service for active duty and reserves for about ten years. And this was all through 9-11, and I never got deployed. So I, I felt really obligated because all my, all my buddies went over there. So I volunteered to become a, a contractor. Um, so I went over, and I was attached to the Marine Corps. And I basically ran around with them in Afghanistan for about three years doing uh it was it was technology again it was a a system called gboss it was ground-based operational surveillance system and what it was was multiple platforms that consisted of commercial off-the-shelf appliances such as cameras thermal laser range finders radar linux um windows fiber optics networking and all kind of hodgepodge together now, I love my Marine Corps brothers and sisters out there, but when you're a grunt on the front lines, the last thing you want to think about is all of the bells and whistles and complexities of a system like this, but you love the capabilities that it can provide to you. So my job was to provide those capabilities to the Marines while they're out there giving it to the bad guys and make sure that they're trained up, that they're able to execute um, the mission, and like I said, I loved it. Did it for three years. Came back, um, went to a military job fair, found EMC. I knew of them because I had colleagues in the past from Progress Software go over to them, and they loved the company. So at the job fair, EMC was there, started talking to a recruiter, and next thing you know, I was on a plane to Boston to go get brainwashed for um, a systems engineer boot camp. So so this, that's uh, uh, yeah, the, it's, yeah. It's specifically, I want to talk about the brainwashing because I like it. Um, you know, we can. So first of all, you know, you mentioned that you're ex-military, and all we can do is say thank you, um, and you know, appreciate everything you've done for us. But and you know, it was, it was neat that you mentioned things about uh, what the military did for you as far as delivering things. That sounds a lot like what our job is today. So we'll probably pull back into that a little bit later. Um, but this this brainwashing that you did. Uh, you came to EMC in a completely different manner than I did, uh, and I want to know more about it. So tell me about the tell me about the program. Uh, tell me exactly what you did. And uh, by the way, tell us the recruiter's name so that we can go thank her for getting you here. Yeah. Um, so I'm part of the the GSAT program. So it's the um, global. Jeez, I should know this. <laughs> it's been too long uh, at this point. Um, it's an associate program, basically, where they 
they bring in folks that are, you know, military that have um, industry experience, but not necessarily, um, you know, exactly the, the the qualifications that a specific you know role has, right? So they do things like systems engineers, uh, project management. Uh, customer engineers that are going on site, uh, a whole a whole slew of things. But essentially, it's a pretty rigorous program. Again, it's two months where you you're immersed in everything that EMC is doing, that it is the DNA that makes it up, um, all in an effort to to build out you know the kind of new and uh, different thinking. I would say you know engineers in my in my case um that don't have maybe some of the bad habits or just have a different way of thinking about stuff right so i came from a completely different background i was definitely not in the dc like uh your twitter tag but um i definitely have the 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 understanding of a data center i have an understanding of technology i have an understanding of what customers are interested in and what's cool and what's the buzz and being able to integrate those things into everyday conversation and tie it back to technology solutions that EMC can provide for our customers. So you specifically mentioned that you, you know, like what excites our customers, right? And we care about that on a day-to-day basis. That's, you know, part of our, our, our life. Uh, what I, what I want to know is, Specifically, and it doesn't have to be an EMC thing, you know. But what what's your favorite what's your favorite nerd subject? Even if it's maybe maybe it's not something that applies to what we do every day. But what is it about technology or information technology or whatever it may be that kind of what geeks you out? I would say the the big thing is is the way that we can consume data today and the interconnectivity that we have between one another. Um, you know, this podcast is a great example, but even more so all the devices that are coming out and you know, how we're talking to each other um, and all the insights that we can gain from this, this you know, connection, right? I mean, the, 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 the World Wide Web gave us uh, so, much, so much insight into what was going on in the world. Um, so again, we're getting into this whole Internet of Things and – all these smart devices that are going to be connected together. I just read a, an article um, about data science. They have these new planes that are coming out, and there are 10,000 sensors in each of the wings. I mean, that's just ungodly to think about, but data is that powerful today. Um, and being able to pool multiple sources together is amazing. The insights and the, you know, let's let's face it, right? From a business perspective, it's a monetization, but it's completely valuable to the consumer, right? We we benefit from what businesses are doing with data. So you're do you, do you like more of the the big data collection portion of the uh, of the science, as it were, or do you like the do you tend to focus more on the um, the analytics results of collecting it because both of them are both of them are difficult tasks, right? It's sure. just you know what what makes you tick. Well, uh, I would say that it's certainly a, a new subject for me, right? So I went to Splunk Live 
last week, which was awesome, completely eye-opening. I mean, I knew what it was at a, at a high level, but being able to see it in action, and, and man, there was like 300, 350 customers there, and that that was an amazing turn-up, and they came there to see more demos and hear more about the product that they use and love, um, and that's that's very cool to see that, you know, um, but that's kind of collection, right? That's that's big data. That's um, I don't know enough, right? Let's just say that I want to learn more, and I, it's just very, very interesting. Um, you know, both you and I know that. You know, what is it? Uh, the the Gartner report or talking about data growth between 2010 and 2020 is going to be 40x. It's you know going from half a zettabyte to over 35 zettabytes, like unstructured data growth is blowing through the roof and that's all coming from what we're generating right just as society but also all these new technologies that are producing machine data or um you know just really anything out there that that has a you know mechanics or logic on the inside we can collect that data and and do cool stuff with it yeah it's uh the, the rate of growth is pretty cool. It was actually something I kind of experienced in my past. Uh, when I started a job somewhere, the, my, my problem, my, my herd of bits was roughly 50 terabytes. And that was a full data center. Pretty, you know, it was, it was big for, for what it was, but it was a lot of DAS and things like that. Um, over time, as we grew and grew the business and grew what we were doing and the size of everything we, do, we did got a little bit bigger as we got better enabled. Um, by the time I was, I was leaving that job, it was roughly, you know, the, my problem was more of a petabyte problem. Um, so, and you know, that's in, that's in 10 years at one business, right? So, um, the, the, the rampant uh, rate of growth for data is something, you know, we're all going to do, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to wear a white coat and figure out what's inside the data. Um, but you know, me personally, uh, you know, I'd love to go, we talk about all the time, these, um, you know, zettabyte type size arrays or you know half a you know 100 terabyte 100 petabyte size arrays uh i'd love to be in a room with that stuff and kind of just you know maybe get a tan off the heat uh you know whatever it may be um you know if gingers were to tan i think it would be off data center heat rather than from the sun so well my wife is a my wife is a ginger uh beautiful one to boot uh, we should try that out. We'll we'll get with one of our customers that has those petabyte scale data centers. I'll bring her over. Um, you know, we've got a wedding coming up. Uh, in addition, we have a child right around the corner in about three months. So, looking forward to that. But the wedding for her, I think we could, if we could get her a tan using data center just this heat. Uh, I think she would be ecstatic, right? Yeah, I think it's a science project that's worth doing. Uh, it's better her than me. Um, so you know. And she'll definitely get a lot better looking than I would with a tan. There's not much that's going to help me these days. So, you know, I just don't, I don't fight it. <laughs> so, you know, you, you mentioned your baby and, uh, you know, we, how far away is this, this baby thing you're doing? Yeah. So we have a baby girl on the way. Uh, she'll be here, uh, the end of July. So we're speculating, you know, if, if we go with the typical 40 month or yeah, 40, 40 months, weeks, awesome. yeah. 40 week gestation period, uh, July 29th is the expected date. So it could be shorter, could be longer. This is our first one. Um, from what I've heard, the, the, the first one tends to come a little early, so it could be 
could be one week, could be two, but uh, we're hoping for full gestation and you know a fully baked little baby. So it's a girl. Um, so she's going to be named Mackenzie, and we're looking forward to it. It's going to be great. That's a it's good. I was going to ask you if we could find out her name yet, and that's cool. She's out. The, the name's out there in the world now. And, that's right. Uh, you know, we're we're excited to have her as part of the family, and um, we expect a live podcast during the delivery. Um, and you need to tell your wife not to interrupt us because we've got serious <laughs> business to do. Um, so I'll have the GoPro on a selfie stick, and then I've also got my uh, my drone. I get the DJI Phantom Vision, so we'll just fly that. We'll oh, get uh, we'll get aerials. We and- just learned something else about each other. I am sitting three feet away from a DJI Phantom Two with a GoPro on it. Uh, GPS and all that. So now we're going to have to have some drone battles as well. We I think so. A, we may have to have a whole a whole podcast just about uh, the nerdiness of the drone. Um, <laughs> but well, you know, we'll we'll table that one for later. So what? I mean, seriously though, you're you're having a baby literally a month and a half from now. What what's going on? In what's going on in your head? Like how scared are you? Well, I wouldn't say I'm scared. The reality hasn't quite sunk in yet. Now, granted, we have. All of the niceties necessary to to have a baby that uh, the baby shower brought for us and the grandparents. Oh my goodness, they. This is the first uh, you know, uh, grandbaby girl, so they're completely excited about that. Um, you know, I've got the the crib, the 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 nursery, everything's ready to boogie, uh, but it still doesn't quite seem real, right? I'm not having to do much extra. But when that time comes, I know that uh, the it's going to change completely, and I think that's when it will truly hit me uh, is when when Mackenzie is here. Yeah, well, I can tell you one thing: the the, the first thing you're going to do is cry. So just be just be real about it and cry because um, it's just it's overwhelming. But besides that, no matter how much you plan, you're not ready, and no matter how much you think you don't know, you don't need to know anything because it all kind of works out. Uh, and all that stuff that you prepared, uh, beds and rooms and all that are completely useless. So just, uh, just wait until you're rolling with it where like the baby's sleeping in the bed with you and you know, it's like you're co-sleeping and you know, you're, you're, uh, I don't know if you're going to be, you know, the more of the, uh, I don't know, how do we call it? The, um, the kind of the modern movement of, um, you know, wearing the baby and, uh, you know, even cloth diapers and all those awesome you know, a bit more, I don't know, say connected type mothering things versus <laughs> the traditional, uh, you know, hey, you know, uh, I don't even know what kind of diapers I had. Mine were probably literally just like duct tape. Huggies or, or yeah, you know, something I can't, like that. you could tell how many diapers I changed. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a really good jungle gym for the kids. I'm a, I'm a horrible actual parent. Uh, I'm good with them once they get to about five, um, where I could tell knock knock jokes and stuff. And uh, other than that, man, th- these kids are so lucky that they have moms because uh, I'm just atrocious. <laughs> but uh, the great thing is, you know, it's the thing that you never knew you wanted so bad. Uh, but then once you get to that point, it's one of the best things that ever happened to you. So the best of luck with that part. Thank so, you, sir. I appreciate so we're, it. We're going to lighten it back up now because it was all serious and stuff, but important. Um, you know, so you, you just you mentioned one hobby there. I hear you. I hear the Phantom in your future. Yep. What you know? What other interests do you have? What you know? What is it that you like to do? You know, I've, I've been honestly, I've been pretty absorbed with uh, 
with uh, I just moved into a new house about well it's you new know, it's about a year ago, but getting that thing you know this is my first house, getting that prepared, getting prepared for the baby, uh, you know I like to get out and I like to fly the drone, um, you know I'd like to sp- I, I like to spend more time outside so I do some hunting. Um, there goes another portion of our fan base, but uh, I'm an archery hunter, uh, hunt for you know mule deer and 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 elk. And javelina, which is a crazy-looking pig-like animal that roams the lower deserts in Arizona. Oh, I thought that was that thing you threw in the Olympics. So <laughs> no, that's a javelin and okay. the discus, and then you know there's like some other, some other uh, throwing I devices. Thought you, I thought you used the javelina to kill a <laughs> mule deer. So <laughs> very good, very good. But uh, I've been, I've, I found myself pretty much completely absorbed. Uh, in those things, as well as trying to figure out all the the, the latest and greatest things, uh, you know, software. Right? I've never been a software person, so I'm trying to figure out. You know, I installed Splunk on my my home PC. Wanted to see what that could do. It was pretty dang cool. Uh, trying to figure out things like containers and things like Cloud Foundry. Uh, just looking at like Ruby. Right? How do I program a, a very simple Hello World app? I, I mean, these things are mind-boggling for me. And so I'm trying to become more comfortable and more familiar with those things. So I've spent a lot of time in my computer chair and peeling myself out of it at night before I go to bed. Well, get your lab time in now before it turns into dad time, okay? Because so, gonna, we're going to need you. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, any, so we, we like to hunt. We, uh, we, we fly the drone, uh, we, we nerd it out in our lab. Um, anything else that, uh, well, like what's, what's your most expensive habit? What's that oh, thing that, uh, what's that thing that if your wife finds out about it by actually listening, the one person who ever listens to your podcast is going to be your wife. So, um, you know, what, what is she going to find out right now? That's going to make her want to kill you. Unfortunately, uh, there, there are no skeletons in the closet. I am pretty, um, pretty blatant spender. Uh, I made a series of bad vehicle choices here recently. Uh, I changed from a, a Dodge Ram uh, quad cab pickup, which I loved, but I just, I beat the shit out of, right? Hunting in the back country. Um, we call it Arizona pinstriping with all the, the, the branches just ripping the paint apart. I uh, ripped the bumpers off, smashed in the quarter panels. And this is a brand new, like 2012 truck. So I'm like, hey, let's go ahead and throw away part of your equity and buy something more smaller and nimble. So I got a, I got a uh, Toyota 4Runner and jacked it out with, you know, 35s and rims so I could go rock crawling and, <laughs> yeah. So the vehicle was it was wonderful and it was so capable. It was like a a, a mountain goat, right? I went up with my Jeep buddies and they were just they're all butt hurt because I had these controls in them that could make it crawl up and crawl down and I didn't have to touch the brake, the gas. I just had to steer. Uh, but I found myself very much missing the truck in the truck bed. Uh, and there were some projects around the house that could not be completed with the forerunner. So uh, much to my wife's chagrin, I went and traded that that in for a brand new uh, Ram 1500, basically the same truck that I had. And I have lost every bit of equity uh, that I have ever had, that I accumulated over my life um, in that in that vehicle. So 
it is, I think this is my last gift to myself uh, now that Mackenzie is going to be right around the corner. So I'm going to have to, to make sure to take care of, she, she's, uh, she's black, all black, black rims and black tires, obviously, and black paint. So I call her Black Beauty. So is that, uh, you, you think you can lift a, like a minivan? Because I think you're, you may actually get a new car in the next couple of years, but it's going to have uh, side doors that slide back, um, you know, like a lift gate, and it's going to have DVD players in every seat. So, so you know, it's a funny story. My, my boss, Tyler Baker, out of California, uh, he's a father of two uh, pretty adorable kids. He says he loves his uh, his minivan. Like so, he prefers to drive it. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you right now. We we owned a Toyota Sienna um, a couple of years ago, and you couldn't love a car more than I love that car. Wow! And you know, it again, it had the TVs. I think it had like a you know 42 inch plasma in the rear. And the best part was it had a like a, a recliner style captain's chairs in the middle section where, where the sliding doors go out. Right, so. And the doors, you know, you couldn't be bothered with actually having to move the doors, so you just hit a button and the doors open. Um, so, you know, on long road trips where I would need to maybe, say, catch up on some work, uh, I would make my wife drive, and I'd sit in the back recliner, sit back there with the kids, and I'd watch, uh, you know, How to Train Your Dragon or Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is a classic. You could put it very right good, up there very with, good. with the sound of music, for instance. Um, and... You know, I'd watch that and kick it and do some homework and internet it up. And, man, that thing was the best ever. We got rid of it because, number one, people in Texas, when they see a minivan, I'm not sure if it's everywhere else, but in Texas, you see a minivan. What that means is I need to cut this car off because it couldn't possibly be going the speed limit. So you drive a minivan, you should expect everybody to drive crazy around you. Um, so we traded that in for a different car. But, uh, you know, even the kids go, you know, can we, can we please just have the minivan back? We, we want the minivan. Um, that thing rocked. And from a child access and all those other things, you just can't touch it. So I'm here to, I'm here to admit, uh, I'm here to stand tall and stand firm and say, I loved my Toyota Sienna minivan and I would do it again. All right. Endorsement. Let's see if we can get some, we get Toyota to, uh, to endorse the podcast and uh, we'll be set, man. We'll have, we'll have intro music. We'll have background sounds. We'll have, you know, like hype men. We'll have street squads, you know, that are going out there and pumping everything up. So this is good. Yeah, this is good. I actually have a, uh, we're, we're, we're a bit of a Toyota family. So I also, I, today my, my, my work car is a, is a Camborghini as I like to call it, which is the nice. beloved Toyota Camry. Um, so, you know, it's a, uh, Toyota has been good to us and, they're moving to North Texas here with me. They're moving to Royal Headquarters right down the street from me, about, I don't know, five five miles away or so. Couldn't be more excited about that because it's just bringing thousands of people to town and driving up home values and, uh, you know, making us have to get cooler stuff so that the Toyota people are happy. So, you know, it's going to be a good time. Thank you, Toyota. Let's, uh, again, you know, <laughs> plug, call me, you know, holler yeah. it into D.C. Let me know how much you want me to pay. To You, know, you want to pay us? to say, yeah. say this over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget me at uh, beers underscore engineers. Yeah, Definitely. How you, so how do you spell beers? B-E-E-R-S. Okay. I just want to see how sober you were. Good job. Yeah, yeah. I got it. So, man, listen. I've told my backstory uh, and, and, and why I think people should should empathize with me and, 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 and want to listen to more of the things that we talk about, right, in this podcast 
that said, tell me about you, man. I mean, you've got a pretty cool background. Um, you know, it's definitely peeping you on LinkedIn before this. And first of all, you speak Japanese, it says on LinkedIn. So I was going to say something in Japanese, but I know I would completely you know, ruin it. So tell me about that. Tell me how, tell me like to what level and, and are you a spy or an international man of mystery? What's going on with that? Yeah. So, uh, I, I speak, I took Japanese in college as uh, frankly, you know, again, you're into things and you're not hundred percent sure why. Um, I, I knew, I know, I mean, frankly, my, my wife's last name is uh, Hispanic yet I know more Spanish than she does having grown up in Texas and Spanish is a bit of a requisite here. So, you know, I was bored with that. I'm not a French. I'm not a Latin guy. I'm not a German guy. Um, I, I, you know, I, I love the Japanese culture. I love a lot of things about it. Uh, haven't ever visited there, but plan to soon. And so, you know, I was in college and it's like, let's take a, let's take a language class. And, you know, I had a buddy who was into Japanese as well. So we took it together. Um, Language is like math. If you don't do it every day, you lose your skills. So the things I know now are things like, again, because I'm a, since I'm a foodie, I can say some things to chefs to, to do things at the sushi bar, gets them a little excited. They like me a little more as a white guy and, you know, give me the legit stuff. Um, you know, it also helps out. It's fun to go to, like, there's literally a place right down the corner from us called Sapporo. It's a Chinese place. And when I come in, the guy, the guy, it's like this bearded dude who's back there cooking. He owns a place. It's like, oh, you know, I know you. You love Chinese. And so he actually gives me a different menu that they ha- than they have for the, you know, the Americans. And the, that menu has things like, you know, uh, Chinese chitlins on it and uh, like what they call three-cup squid, which is baby squid um, cooked in literally three different cups of sauce. And uh, it comes out in a hot pot. So there's all these super authentic, legit things um, that, frankly, they don't put on their traditional menu. And um, we kind of miss out on because we're so homogenous with our food. And I kind of seek out the crazy food, as it were, and try to eat things that are a bit more out of my comfort zone. Um, And, you know, so that's where it came from. I'm not special. I'm not a spy. Neither me nor Julia Child were were actually spies. and uh, I took Japanese because I thought it was cool in, in high school. And uh, I speak it very poorly. Um, I speak it worse than like a, a child would. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we, I probably should take that off LinkedIn. I'm going to go do that soon. No, no, no. You got to leave it because it was certainly intriguing. It was it was enough for me to, to write it down and want to ask that question, right? It, I think it's just it's something that uh, you know flipped a bit in my brain and I wanted to go for it. So very good, man. So tell me, you know, I saw I saw you've been through a handful of um, I shouldn't say handful that has a negative connotation, but uh, some, some some good some good data center experience, some jobs, uh, did a lot with infrastructure. So tell me more about kind of your pedigree and and then what brought you to EMC. Well, uh, so prior to EMC, I spent my entire career on the other side of the table in operations. So. Um, you know, going from literally my first job being supporting uh, Windows 95 on the phone to doing, you know, hands-on support to doing, uh, you know, desktop support, executive desktop support. Uh, it's funny, I've, I've worked in the offices of, of numerous customers around Dallas now. So it's kind of it's kind of funny to roll back in there in a totally different world than I, when I was like a literally a, a tape jockey when I was a kid. Uh, so, you know, growing from there, literally, you know, tape jockey jobs, whatever I could do to just kind of have a, a technology job. Not really sure, you know, why I was there, but I was there anyways. Uh, and then it turned into a pretty darn good career. 
um, you know, I kind of parlayed from support to executive support to, uh, you know, low end network jobs to mid range network jobs to being pretty good at doing the, the you know, the data center infrastructure stuff to um, being good at planning and architecting the data center infrastructure um, to eventually, you know, running a team and making, um, you know, executive decision making around, uh, you know, the infrastructure for, you know, a roughly billion dollar company, right? So I kind of gone from the bottom of the of the totem pole in the IT world up to the top. Um, and I wouldn't say that all the way to the top, right? I wasn't the CIO, so I didn't have all the problems, but I have enough to make it relevant to what I do day in and out uh, and kind of look at, I look at it from a different perspective, right? I don't, I'm not a, I, I wouldn't really call myself, um, you know, the most technical guy in the room. I'm sure there's somebody who could play Stop the Chump with me all day long. Uh, but you know, that stuff has no real relevance when you're trying to get a business solution done, right? It's, uh, you know, how, you know, what's the, how's the flux capacitor work, uh, has already been solved. So if you know, you need a flux capacitor, it's how you implement it. And at what point you implement it to make, make it make sense for the business that really is relevant. And, and I, I, I those kind of conversations are pretty easy for me. They kind of, they come, they come pretty, pretty fluid. Sure. And I would say, you know, at the end of the day, the flux capacitor is a means to an end, right? So, like we, we like to do is, if we're providing you know any sort of guidance on a solution, right? We want to know what the initiative is. What's the business problem you're trying to solve, right? Because with that, then you can work backwards. But if you start with the solution and then figure out stuff you know to do with it, well, it may be a lost cause for you, uh, and it may not be, you know. Ultimately, a good decision, a good yeah. buying decision. I mean, I, 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 I dread the day when somebody wants to drag me down into the weeds of the technology because, uh, you know, it's one of those things where typically those conversations are either um, they're biased or it's, you know, it's really, uh, I mean, to me, it's more of like you just, it's not mistrust of the technology. And it's hard to say. It's like, you know, I don't, I, I don't come into a car dealership and ask a car dealership how their engine's put together. Uh, because I'm not buying a car because of the engine necessarily. The engine to a point, right? The engine being can a four cylinder do what you need to do. Well, shoot, I mean, eight. think about the think about the electronics inside of that thing, yeah. right? That makes the windows go up and down. That counts the odometer. That that does all these. But do you, you have know, a, do you the, have a page on your dashboard that says how many times the window has been rolled up and down? And these are the kind of questions you get, and it's really just not relevant. It's really you know the question is what do you do when the window doesn't roll back up? Uh, the question is. What what does the system do to co- recover from a failure of say a thrown rod or something th- something I don't even know about cars, but the idea is I would never ask somebody about what kind of engine it is or what kind of transmission it is. I'm going to look at their 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 history and I'm going to look at their their reliability and I'm going to look at the, the 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 manufacturer's promises and I'm going to expect them to hold up to them and then I'm going to buy their product based on it doesn't meet my needs day in and day out and it's not going to have anything to do with whatever the heck a turbo is. Um, so what you're saying is you don't care about the specs on the end line for the rotary girder. Whatever you just said, dude. <laughs> Tommy yeah. boy, man. Tommy boy. Yeah. Okay. Well, we were doing that the other day. And again, you just ran way out of my world. You know, <laughs> you want to talk about sous vide or some other, I mean, I can get a little nerdy in the kitchen, you know, but uh, at the, at the end of the day, I just don't dig into it that far because it's just not my thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to ask that car to do something for me, and as long as it delivers, I'm cool with it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, there's, 
I'm not compelled to try to figure out how they did it or why there's their engine is different than the guy down the street. Um, frankly, I'm much more interested in whether or not they have that really cool backup camera that when you turn a wheel, it actually turns the lines. I'm much more interested in that because it has a benefit to me, right? The, sure, the, the, sure. the engine doesn't tell me anything. So. Yeah. So, hey, man, listen, we're, we're coming up on to an hour end, and I feel like we're just uh, we're, we're chatting like we've, we've been dating. We're in high school. It's, it's 3 a.m. in the morning, and we've been on the phone for four hours. No, and we you just, hang up. We just can't stop, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think we, we've certainly got to put a cap on this, but uh, you were at EMC World in Las Vegas last week. 14,000 attendees, an amazing show. Tell me what uh, what you brought back. What's what's getting you jazzed, right, for for going out to the field and, and talking about with the customers? Well, I mean, it was obviously very, all the announcements were really exciting. Um, there were some major themes, right? Uh, the themes were uh, converged infrastructure. Uh, the themes were, um, you know, commodity type equipment being sold with enterprise type experience, and but uh, you know, commodity cost efficiencies. Uh, EMC tilting towards open, um, you know, not going full open. Even Chad will say it. Uh, I'm stealing his words when I said tilting. Um, but you know, like uh, some of the things around open source and uh, you know, or just simply trial software that's more easily and readily accessible. Um, and uh, what we're going to be doing in the future with those things, certainly enhancements on products, as it were. Um, a lot of conversations around, uh, the, you know, the, the mode two or platform three stuff or what looks like DevOps and agile. Um, there was a huge buzz around that and a lot of attention to the stuff that EMC code and the open team at EMC are doing. Um, so, you know, we are going to, we're going to save the depths of that for our next conversation. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a bit of a teaser for what we saw. What, <laughs> sure. I, what I really saw was a lot of cool customers, um, a lot of fun EMCers, uh, saw, uh, you know, a lot of really good presentations and you know, we, you know, it's, it's cool now to bring this, it's been announced, it's happening and it's cool to be able to bring it to the streets and, and whiteboard it up to talk about it, to bring the presentations home and give it to people who, who missed out or didn't do the streaming experience. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna knock that out in depth and we're going to try to invite uh, Matt Dunphy to come talk about it with us and give, you know, his perspective. Um, so, you know, I don't, I'm not going to expose, the, I'm not going to open the kimono too much on that one just yet. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's interesting, right? Just kind of closing comments from my side. Um, when I first started at EMC a little over two years ago, my expectation of the role of a systems engineer was to to build SANS, right? Um, to build VNXs and VMAXs. And now, you know, the things that you're bringing back from EMC world, and even there was a paradigm shift with the whole EMC federation, we're no longer a company that just has stuff that plugs into the walls, has blinky lights, and, you know, spins and generates heat, right? We're really moving towards that whole software-defined data center, the the notion of the hybrid cloud, but certainly the private cloud and IT as a service. And, you know, understanding that EMC is, I want to say we're like the fifth or sixth biggest uh, software company in the world, right? So it's, we're really changing the, kind of the, the look and feel and our go-to-market strategy. And it's very, very exciting 
to see that shift in such a short amount of time, but it's because the industry and our customers demand it. Yeah, it's look, we've we've been talking. You could probably tell just by some of the things that have come up how I'm just going to say it outright. I I hate talking about point products. Um, you know, like as in I don't enjoy it. I it's 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 a thing that occurs because we've talked about a business issue. And after we discussed what your business issue is and what what it is you're trying to do with your business, how can I solve it with something that does things? Uh, and there are, that's when that comes out. But you know, approaching it from the other direction, which is, hey, I need to talk to you about a storage. You know, and then you go, well, this kind of a storage, which has you know like a million different iterations of like the simplest stuff. Um, this one's going to solve your problem. No, it's not the right way to look at things. I'm you know I'm not here to just shove something over. I'm here to you know create a partnership and talk about what we can do for you. Um, and so the second where it, it drills down into a, you know, what, what is your, what is your spending thing do? You know, it, it, it's, it's an, it's a necessary conversation, but it, it should be tied to something that creates results that makes your job better. Yours yep. being the customers. And so I, I get a little, I get a little, um, I try to avoid it at all costs. I try to I try to take that conversation somewhere else or make it as, sh- as as short as possible and help the customer help bring the customer into a conversation that makes sense. Hey, you want XYZ product, whatever it may be. Why do you think you want that? Because frankly, I'm not really all that inclined to just outright give it to you. So, you're going to have to talk me into what it is that compels you to talk about it. And if that is if that's equally as compelling to me, then we'll continue that that course. Otherwise, I may I may help you deviate, and I may help you pay attention to something that looks a little bit better for your business, and you weren't thinking about. Uh, and that's what I'm here for, right? Is to to disrupt that stuff a little bit and and, and bring it up as it yeah. were, you know, to kind of yeah. kind of kind of turn it on its head and, and talk about it in a different way. Well, it's true. I mean, to your point, right? If the business solution enterprises are in business to do two things: to make money and save money. If the solution provided does either of those things, then that's a good thing. But we need to understand how and why it is going to be able to help a customer save money or make money. And that's it. And, and I, by the way, just in the last five minutes, you've mentioned both enterprise and federation. So I think you're still a bit conflicted about which of the two you like the most. I'm just going <laughs> to. I like the federation. There. I mean, that's a cool name, right? Yeah. But, I'm just saying enterprise in general, like for, for, for companies, right? So, you know, maybe that, that doesn't pertain to everybody, but uh, I know any company would love to be called an enterprise. And so I like to put it out there, right? Spread a little love, a little enterprise love. Well, we're all, you know, we're all enterprising individuals. Um, you know, some of us might be considered to be entrepreneurs, um, but at the end of the day, we're, we're entrepreneur something. So, you know, we're, we're, everybody's out there to try to do something a little bit better than the next guy. Um, and again, you're not going to do that by, by, by widgeting it to death, right? You're going to do that by, uh, trying to impact how you, how you entrepreneur something or how you enterprise something appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, dude, we're, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, you know, I, I can't wait till we talk again. It, you know, I think we're going to try to make this thing, you know, roughly a weekly thing and see how that works out. Um, and again, we're going to bring in some people, you know, we've already talked to Matt Dunphy and we've already talked to 
uh, Tommy Trogdon. I think we've got some other people we kind of put some feelers out to, such as, uh, you know, and I'm not going to hear them out. I know we can get, we can get, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Olson, our open stat guy. We can get the, our VMware counterparts. We can get guys from, from, uh, um, oh, geez, I'm drawing a blank, from Splunk. We can get guys from, you, you name it, right? Yeah. And we, we've got the connections in the biz to, definitely help bring some cool content to our to our listeners so uh, we're going yeah. to bring our homies to this uh this year podcast and we're going to come at them as uneducated as we are and uh we're going to educate ourselves along the way um and uh make this thing fun and we're going to say some really stupid stuff and um we're probably going to make complete fools out of ourselves while uh everybody else looks extremely intelligent um but that's what it is so um, you know, I enjoyed the last 56 minutes hanging out with you and uh, can't wait till the next time. Indeed. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it, man. So Catch from, you next time. Yeah, from the uh, completely unnamed, as of yet not named podcast, uh, this is Brian Carpenter. This is Brent Piotti. So, we'll